Welcome to Silverbacks Valley, a podcast brought to you by Silverbacks Holdings. Today in the Valley with Ibrahim Sanya is a model turned shoemaker who became the first African brand at the Rockefeller Center in New York. From the streets of London, where he was first spotted for his slender figure, to the podiums of top brands he has walked for, our guest now walks the streets of New York where he oversees the production and distribution of his shoe designs to the likes of Yanis Antetokounmpo, Adekunle Gold, and Burna Boy. This episode's guest has come a long way. Today, the Valley welcomes Armando Cabral. Welcome to Silverbacks Valley. I'm your host today, and my name is Ibrahim Sanya. Today's episode is sponsored by Afka. Afka, the African Private Capital Association, is the nexus of private capital in the continent. It champions and enables private capital investment all across the continent. As the Pan-African industry body, Afka plays a significant role as an effective change agent for the industry and acts as the trusted independent source of information, insight, and intelligence, inspiring investors' confidence, making the case for both commercial returns and impact for private capital in Africa. AFCA represents a community of capital allocators, investors, fund managers, advisors, entrepreneurs, and professional service providers committed to our shared vision of a prosperous Africa that is sustainable, inclusive, and innovative. We at Silverbacks Valley are big fans. Armando Cabral. Yes, And the legend. Yeah. My friend, it's always a pleasure to see you. Thank you. Likewise. And also, I don't get a chance to see you as often as... Very true. Not to, but I get to wear these lovely oh, pieces man. of art. I appreciate the support. And, uh, <laughs> and everywhere I go, I'm like, if you don't have a piece, you need to get yours. You need to get yours. Absolutely. You are the true ambassador of Armando Cabral. We're trying, but that's <laughs> you today. Why don't you tell us about you yesterday? What made you fall in love with the world of fashion? And when was that? Wow. Uh, that's a long story, but I'm going to try to make it as brief as possible. Uh, going back to my early days in Portugal. So I got into fashion through modeling first because of my sister in Portugal that was a model. Mm. And, you know, we were very close. And I remember one day I came back from school and she said, I'm going to, the, to my agency. You want to come with me? I said, yeah, sure. Let's go. And we got there, and uh, it's not, modeling is not what it is today. Before, to become a model, you had to actually have a, you have to take a course, a modeling course. I think, I don't remember whether it's a week or it's a, two weeks or a month max. And so she was actually, when the, she got there, she had to do the uh, runway course. Mm. You know? And so because I went with her, and I wasn't part of the agency, and they're like, well, instead of just hanging around, join them. You know? mm. So I said, okay, sure. And I did. And at the end, they said, you should be a model. I was like, yeah, 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 okay. And they're like, no, seriously, you should be a model. So I was like, okay. Went home, I convinced my sister. I said, look, I would love to do this with you. You know, it'd be perfect so we can go together. I think it's going to be fun. And she's like, no, I know you. You're going to be excited for a week. And then you're going to give up. I'm not going to do that. 
And then somehow I convinced her and, you know, she, she paid for the course and we did it. And literally a week later when I finish, um, I don't know if this was a way for my father to you know, push me away from fashion because as a very old African parent, you know, he didn't believe that modeling, it's a career. Yeah. It's like, oh, this guy is getting too excited about fashion. Maybe I should send him somewhere. So a week later, he sent me to UK to study. And uh, little did he know, I got to London. It was just like everyone would stop me on the street asking me if I was a model, if I should be, a, if I wanted to be a model. And, uh, and yeah, so, you know, I started going to agencies, uh, you know, which is funny because a lot of models have a story. They tell you that, you know, they saw me somewhere and they picked me up and took me to agency. I actually went to agencies because people were stopping me on the street. And literally maybe six agencies, they all said no. Like, no, 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 no. And, you know, but the, the, the persistency continues. Everywhere I go, people will come to me. They ask me. So I was like, why? What's going on? So out of all of them, I picked one agency, you know, that I said, well, the other ones can say no. But this one, I think I have a chance. I just have to continue to try. So I went back to the second time, three months after. They said no again. And I waited for another three months. And I went back again. And they said no again. <laughs> mm. um, the last time before I got signed, which is the, the good part of the story, I asked them, I said, but why? I said, you know, look, I have a book. People always ask me if I'm a model, if I should be, you know, if I, if I want to be a model. And that's why I come here all the time. And they said, well, it's not you, it's your book. It's very weak, but, you know, go home and work on it and then maybe come back. So I said, okay, great. Here is an opportunity because... Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, I said, if you're not signed, how do you work on your book? But I said, okay, I'm going to take this and figure out a way to make it work for me. I went to their website and I started picking up uh, pictures of some models that I kind of like their work. I picked them up, a couple of them, I think it was six. I print them out. So I went to, to, to look for a job, a part-time job, because I was studying at the time. Mm. And, uh, you know, I create all the looks. And then I saved a little bit more. I found a photographer, I paid for it. And I went for the test and then I said, came with all the wardrobe and the images. And I said, I want to take these pictures. And the guy looked at me, I was like, wow. He said, I've been taking pictures for 15 years. No model has ever came here and said, I want these pictures. And they knew exactly. So basically I have to give them direction all the time, especially the new faces. And then we took the pictures and he apparently was really happy. And he said, look, I'll tell you something. You will have no problem finding agency after this. This was like maybe two weeks later after we'd taken the pictures. Went back, they grabbed the pictures and I went straight back to the same agency. And uh, I got signed. And that was the beginning of everything. You know? Amazing, amazing. <laughs> yeah. The lesson there seems to be, from what I hear, don't take no for an answer. answer. Always. And persistence is a good trait. Absolutely. Yes. But also put the work. Put the work. Exactly. There was no luck in the outcome. No. Clearly, no. There was no luck no, in the outcome. No. But the funny thing about this is that before, I didn't have words to describe all this personality in me. Obviously, as the time goes by and I started to realize that it's a trait that I have in my personality that if things mean something to me, I always persist. Mm. And so, you know, somehow it did work out for fashion and or modeling, I would say. And, uh, but I, I tend to use this as in everything I do. So, yeah.
Here we are. Beautiful. <laughs> now, how did we go from being a model, which obviously you are not telling us the big names you've worked for, <laughs> but I think, you know, the audience knows and we will make sure they know <laughs> you cannot hide. You did manage after that spectacular career with the biggest brand in the globe to decide to go into designing. Mm -hmm. Yes. A product for the model. Yeah. So you went from in the craft of filmmaking, from the acting to the producer. <laughs> Tell us about Pretty the transition. Much. Pretty much, yes. Director. I mean, you know, again, I think everything in my life has, you know, as of now, I hope it's not at a full circle yet, but, you know, that was the goal in the end. You know, modeling for me was always, uh, you know, just a gateway for something else that I want to do. You know, it was something to kind of like subsidize my studies and, you know, travel the world at the time, if you will. But I had a really sad career when I went to, I went to business school in London. Mm -hmm. And so... I did uh, business and finance. Mm. Um, and, but I always wanted to do something with it. My goal, actually, before all this, or while I was studying, I wanted to be a banker. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, and I'll tell you where that came about. It, you know, my campus in London, uh, my university campus, it's, it's in an area that's kind of like your Wall Street, if you will. Mm. So I would always see these guys coming, you know, in a Porsche, dress nice with their suits that you know that they didn't buy as in uh, Zara or something. And I'm like, I want to be like these guys. <laughs> so I started thinking like that. And, uh, you know, but modeling somehow, obviously, as I said, once I started, I was able to basically took my career to the top, you know, mm. I was able to, to, to be uh, one of the top 10 models in the world, which, you know, led me to work with all the major fashion houses. And so I think out of all that, I was basically learning as well the business of fashion, mm. you know, not just being a model. You know, mm. I didn't go to jobs just to show up and do the job. I was always curious what, you know, the, the whole process and logistics behind it. And so I started thinking. And of course, my, my passion for shoes, you know, mm. that's something that I started developing along the way that, you know, it's just like, wow. And so I started playing with the idea. It would be nice to have a shoe brand uh, because... At that time, 13 years ago, the shoe industry was very close and was very small. Mm -hmm. You either have all the major fashion houses that basically just wanted to branch out into a new product category and they just say, we make clothing, we need shoes, or you have um, you know, the mass market. And I felt like there was a huge gap between the luxury and then the mass market. And I was like, I... Thinking with my business senses, I was like, I want to bridge that gap where you have craftsmanship with the middle entry price point to luxury mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And then with the point of view of uh, someone that seen fashion for 20 years, someone that, you know, uh, basically we introduce the, the, the fashion to the world every time the new collection come out. So, and I wanted to, to, to put something together and then just, but with my own personal uh, uh, way of seeing, you know, fashion, footwear. And so they, they, I started playing with the idea. And so that's how I was like, you know, I'm going to start a brand. But the way I started was interesting because, you know, my, my, my academic background is business. It's not design, you know. But, uh, 
you know, I've always had some sense of style of what I really want, which what I want in fashion. So that developed. It developed until it was like really precise. And so it was easy to convey a message. So mm-hmm. I started reaching out to people and I worked with the uh, former creative director of Hugo Boss for accessories. He was the first guy that I worked with. Uh, and I told him, I said, look, my concept is this. I wanted to create a shoe for a men's wardrobe. He's a guy that works, he travels in leisure. You know, I don't want to create one particular shoe that is like one style. You know, I want to look at this guy and he's like, he goes to work. He does this. You know, this is the DNA of the brand. And so with that, we kind of created our first collection, you know, which was just to satisfy my personal passion. I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. We had no structure, nothing. It was my personal investment. And uh, right away, you know, the first collection was sold. Uh, Actually, I took it to Portugal. Mm. You know, uh, funny story. I got to tell the back story. The same guy, his name is Ruki Zambrano. He was the creative director of Hugo Boss for accessories. He said, um, when we got the first collection, he said, Mando, this is great, but I don't think we should sell it. It's just the first prototypes. Let's take a look at it and see and get the feel of it. And then we go to the next production. And I'm thinking, like, no, we can sell this. And he's like, well, if you sell these shoes, I will do anything you ask me. And I said, okay, great. Packed all the shoes, took it to Portugal. We did the launch, the press day, and we sold it to two department stores in Portugal to start. And uh, that was the beginning of everything. Cool. Second season came exclusive to Dover Street Market and Beams in Japan. And before we can even breathe, we had a brand. And so I was like, all right, this has got to go. We got to continue with this. And so comes again my persistency and all of my drive. Really? It's like, a theme. We're going to go with it. You know, I don't know. We didn't have a sales agent. We didn't have anything. But I was like, we are going to continue with this. And the brand at the time was already Armando Cabral. It was already Armando Cabral. Yeah. Fantastic. So there's a quote uh, at the office we have about luxury. By the way, you always have good quotes. I love them. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a quote we've integrated at the office. Okay. And uh, it's about luxury, which we've decided after reading a lot about luxury. Yeah. To define as the art of engineering timelessness. And clearly, that's the business you are in. Absolutely. And I love your image of trying to find and fill a void between luxury and then the other gap. So there's a group of, uh, there's a podcast called Acquire, which I listen to a lot. Mm. So they did a special on LV image. And I recommend you listen to that episode. You, you would love it. So one of the quotes they have in the show, and Ben says this at some point, he says that when you do a normal brand that is basic, it focuses on the product. When you have a premium brand, it focuses on the features of the product. When you have luxury, you manage to convince the consumer about the lifestyle he's opting for, and he forgets the product. <laughs> what it couldn't be right. It what are be... you doing along those lines? Well, I'm doing all of the above. I'll explain to you why. Because for me, more than that, or perhaps what I should say, I should add one layer to that is... I am 
trying to create community around my business and our product. Mm. And through that business and, and community, I want to be uh, informative, mm. you know, because take back before brands were just focused on product and say, well, this looks good and stuff. I think consumers are getting more and more demanding and savvy about the products and the brands they associate themselves with, mm. which I am that consumer myself. Mm. You know, I don't need a brand to have a logo to say that I belong, mm -hmm. to wear it and say, mm. I belong. Because mm. before, that's what it was. That's mm. not the whole concept of big logos and you have it and you're like, oh, he wears Gucci or whatever brand it is. Mm. And so I think today, people really want to understand what are the values of this brand? What is their, you know, uh, product proposition and integrity, all of the above. And so that, you know, when they associate themselves with it, you know, they feel that, you know what, I am contributing to something. And mm -hmm. so for us as a brand and as a company, that's my goal. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at it as, you know, two things. As, a, as an entrepreneur, I always look to solve the problem. Because mm. that's what I feel like entrepreneurs are. You look mm. at the situation and say, and for me, it's a little, it's a little more deeper. It's more about, it, it, there's a touch of spirituality there that mm. I think that I want to contribute to my society. So mm. whether that be through my product, my brand, my company, I want to make sure that uh, you know, we're doing something that will contribute to the society positively. So that when you look at that, then everything else you're doing, whether it's product or service, you have to really consider how do you do it? And so for me, it goes beyond just making great shoes. It goes with, you know, the quality of it, the story that you take, products can wear out. But then when you get information out of it or, you know, something that will contribute to a community, for example, when we weave all our fabrics, the, the communities that we're helping in, you know, in, in Guinea-Bissau, in other parts of Africa, you know, with their craft, it's all thanks to our consumers. And so there's all that part and elements that we want to, as a brand, really encapsulate in everything that we do. So to your point and to, to, to the uh, uh, quote that you just gave me, it's all of that plus this element of community that I think is important in, the, in, 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 in today's market. Um, and that's what I want to do with the brand. I want to touch people and I want people, when they gather or whatever product or have information about Armando, they, they take something with them because product can go away, but information will remain and probably serve you. So beautiful. that's the goal. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and I know that uh, in your effort, in your storytelling, yeah. you've consistently kept Africa at the center, yeah. right? You, you basically are, I don't know of any other African with a luxury shore shoe business in Broadway, in Midtown. So clearly, uh, there's some many things special about you, but I've also noticed that you have celebrities and singers yeah. as Burner Boy, Cadillac Gold, basically wearing your shoes, sponsoring your brand. What other steps does one take to basically get that, uh, that celebration is clearly uh, you've decided to take the path less traveled and follow your vision, your dream. Mm -hmm. Again, I think is, this is all about, you know, 
for me personally, it's, it's all about celebrating the creative energy of Africa and its diaspora. That's what I try to do. And when they celebrate me, it's a, they're reciprocating what we're trying to do. I think, again, being in fashion for all these years, I've seen, you know, people that used a lot of uh, inspirations out of Africa that other people celebrate. It's almost like other people take our culture and assets and they are celebrated. Who are better to tell our story than us? Mm. And so I think that's the change in me that I had in 2000, 2020, 21, to, to be precise. That we had a little bit of a shift in our, you know, brand direction that I said, you know, I want to now tell people a little bit more my, about my African heritage, you know. Mm. Uh, and that happened because of the, uh, the, 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 the George Floyd situation that happened mm. here in America mm. for some reason. You know, that shaped me to, to, to really want to contribute in a way that, you know, I couldn't do anything more. But, you know, I said, what I want to do is to figure out a way within the, the brands to communicate messages that probably will allow us to see each other in a little more closer playing field, mm. you know, uh, so that, uh, you know, when you gather some of those information and pass it to people, they might look back and then somehow... It starts a conversation. To give you an example, that exact year, we launched our collection, Spring Summer 2021, or Fall Winter 2021. Um, and the whole inspiration was based in uh, 13th century Africa, you know, mm. precisely Mali Empire, mm. which if you go back before the Portuguese, Guinea-Bissau, Senegal, all of that region was part of Mali Empire, Correct. which is part of my Correct. heritage, Correct. part of my history. And so it's such a beautiful and so important in today's modern world, you know, that part of history that somehow people don't talk about today that I wanted to bring back and say, this is going with the product, you know, because, you know, I'm not a, a podcaster. I couldn't just say, hey, I'm going to start talking about this. But through the product, I wanted to educate people. Mm -hmm. And so I think people start receiving it. And we as Africans as well, starting to see the importance of supporting each other. And mm -hmm. I guess this is where we... You know, we get uh, all of the support from these amazing artists out of Africa and in, in the diaspora, and including other, you know, people. So obviously we have celebrities in Hollywood wearing our shoes and stuff. And, um, you know, and I think it's, it's a good thing and the timing is right, I would say. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I guess when you have a purpose and people understand that, this is what I was telling you back early on to, to your answer, to your question that, it's important to be more than just a brand, you know, to, to create a community. And mm -hmm. I think what mm -hmm. we want to do is to create a community where information are shared, you know, along with the product. And, you know, if you don't have these shoes in five years, but at least you remember when you see, for example, the Adinkra symbols that are in our shoes. Yes, yes. It will tell you what the meanings of that and all that stuff. And that, that to me, it's, it's more than making, you know, creating a pair of shoes, really. You know? Fantastic. You yeah. talking about inclusion. Uh, <laughs> makes me think about your store where you have an area where it's actually closed. Yeah. And when I went to your store the first time, there was a story about it. Like, yes. Nope, I don't do clothes. This is for my community. Can yes. Tell us about Absolutely. that Again, inclusion. Yes. I think that's when you walk the path along, a long path by yourself for many years, you've learned and then you 
you think of people that, or times where you wish that you were with people or you had somebody along, you know, with you. And I say that because when I started the branch, a lot of people doubted me to, to be where we are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, I had everything against me. He's a model, he's a male model. Models are not known to be smart, usually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, it's, uh, he wants to start a shoe brand. He doesn't have a big investment behind him. And so you can think of so many things that people are just like, oh, let's watch him and see what it is. We like him. But, and so you have all these odds against you. And to go, the road is alone. It's lonely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when I, when I got to, to, to the place where we got the, the space in, in Rockefeller Center, I thought this could be a celebration of not just me, but that creative energy of Africa and its diaspora. Because mm-hmm. not only me, and we're talking about me here, but there's so many amazing creatives coming out of Africa that needs to be celebrated. And mm-hmm. so for me, I wanted to find a space, one roof where we can all coexist. Mm-hmm. One, to show the message that none of us are competing against each other, mm-hmm. but rather we're stronger if we're together, mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't see any of the other brands as a competition. So I invited them and we allocated the space to kind of also give them exposure into the U.S. market. Wow. And so that people get to know them. And also to, you know, just, just, just bring the story of Africa together. You know, I think that, that was a big element for me to, to just, you know, unite people, whether we're in the same field, same industry, we're not competing. And, you know, it worked. And, you know, people come to the store and that's the first thing they notice. Like, oh my God, what is this? And when we start telling them there's brands, are, you know, they, it's a pop-up within our shop to kind of celebrate these guys. Uh, and people get the message. And, mm. and again, that's, that's really the goal for me. It's, uh, it's for us to, to start showing that we can do things together. We don't have to compete and we can support each other. And, you know, we, we, we'll, 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 the success will be more um, enjoyed, if you will, that way than saying, oh, I'm the only guy on the road. I'm the only one on 50th and 6th, you know, and 5th Avenue. So it's like, Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. That's my goal. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, a bit about yourself uh, in terms of what is the biggest misconception people have about you? (laughs) Why do you think that? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't, to be honest, that's a hard one. I got to think about it. The biggest misconception. Easy question. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's making me think. The biggest misconception about me that I am maybe too relaxed, perhaps. I don't know. It's because uh, people that know me. Everything you've been doing doesn't seem very relaxed. Yeah, but There's you know, because most people see me in the space where they think that I wake up and I go like this. Everything is done. Yeah. You know? So when I sometimes talk to people about difficulties or the, the hard road I had to take to get to some places, it's hard for them to believe. They yes. probably think he's making up a story. And now I'm going to take you back. A funny story. Um, you know, when I went to the UK, I didn't go straight to London. I had about six, eight months outside London, five, four hours away, I believe it is, uh, where I worked in a chocolate factory. When I first got there. Mm. And so today when I tell the story, people are like, 
you just trying to say that so you look cool. It's not true. And it's like, no, it's true. I, I worked in a chocolate factory. You know, I was an immigrant with, you know, I didn't speak English at the time either. And, but I had to go through that process. And part of that reason was, you know, why I said to myself, if this guy that has this factory uh, and having the opportunity to, you know, employ a young kid coming out of Portugal like me, uh, and then, you know, I was able to pay my bills. I was like, if I can do this, whether I employ one person or two, then I'm contributing to my society. So you all really had an effect on me. But today, if I say that story, sometimes people are like, yeah, Armando, come on, man. You're trying to be cool. But it's a true story. So that's, that's perhaps one of the things I can think people of. People do not see the, the struggle. They, the struggle, they see, the hard they work. They don't see the input. They yeah. see the output. They, they see the output and they think, ah. and the, the other one I used to hear is that, oh, he's a model. Of course, you know, probably somebody said, oh, well, let's just put your name in the brand and, you know, just put your face into it and that's it. But, you know, no one did believe that, you know, I started this from scratch, from zero, by myself, with the help of nobody, and, you know, to get to where we are. So it's, uh, you know, but you can't stop that. You know, it's actually good when, when people say those things to make, it makes me laugh. You know, <laughs> we... Yep. As we know, we, yep, we're very proud to, to have seen your your journey and we're very humble to be part of your journey. Thank you. So yes, definitely uh, couldn't uh, wish to have a better uh, demonstrating force of Africanism, of uh, persistency, yeah. commitment to quality. Thank you. To the Thank engineering you. of Timelessness. Timelessness, exactly. That's the goal. Definitely <laughs> on that goal path. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Armando Cabral, we've seen where you've come from. We've seen where you are today. What would you say, Armando Cabral, in five years? You're ready? Rockefeller. I yes. mean, I mean, yeah. you start from the top of the mountain. <laughs> what happens after that? It was a long road until I mean, there. There's most... Uh, most uh, companies in your in your at your stage, yeah, yeah. are you know starting from Africa, yeah, or starting from uh, another geography, and yeah. are aiming to land in New York by yeah. way of Milan or Paris, yeah, yeah. So you started from New York. Yeah. What's next? What's next? So there's a lot to do. I think that uh, we're just starting. To be honest with you. All these years, I've always felt that, uh, you know, this was a, a, an exercise of proof of concept, which I feel like we matured and people see the effort and, you know, the, the brand now has its own business card, if you will, in the center of New York City, which I think it's a great uh, milestone and achievement for us. And the goal for us really is to, you know, um, make Armando Cabral become a fully realized fashion house. You know, um, I think there's opportunity into different categories. Uh, in fact, uh, this year, uh, we're launching a, a collection of uh, shirts that's coming up. Wow. That's, that's, that's going the, beyond the shoes. Going beyond the shoes. We have a shirt line that's launching in, uh, in June All at right. the store. And then we also have a perfume that's launching wow. this year. And wow. so all of the things that we've been working on from last year. 
And um, yeah, I think again, but again, with uh, with very calculated steps, mm. we're not jumping the guns here. I think this is a natural um, uh, growth that brand uh, has achieved, but it's all calculated because we knew and we, we starting to understand our customers. Uh, and then we're going to try and continue to mature all of these segments and uh, different uh, categories and then, you know, eventually see what's next for us, you know. But for mm. now, it's, it's, it's to continue to, 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 to kind of give you a full lifestyle of the brand in a way that we can and that people understand it and uh, with all the integrity possible and, uh, and, and, you know, continue the steps forward. So, yeah. You had to pick one role model or inspiration in the fashion industry in terms of brand designer who would that be you have to pick one person to inspire <laughs> oh as my god you're making it family, difficult friends books what would that be one for each oh one for each yeah. so i'll start with my personal uh reference obviously oh, man wow this is crazy my dad is one for sure I think I've watched that man, uh, you know, work really hard to provide us, you know, the best he could as a father. And I think that's a very uh, honorable thing that I kind of took from him. And, uh, you know, uh, also his integrity of how he approaches life, his professional life and all that. And I think that's a, that's a huge inspiration in my life. Uh, but beyond that, I also, you know, have... As my second, you know, uh, reference is Sidney Poitier, also mm -hmm. another guy who's fully, you know, uh, immersed in my concept of integrity, you know, honor, and and everything. If you look at story, I think the guy achieved so much and paved the way for so many today, mm -hmm. just based on his, you know. Uh, personality and his character and stuff Amazing. and so you know uh designers one designer oh yes. my god one why one <laughs> <laughs> um pick your first one and then you'll be allowed to give a second one oswald boteng definitely is one i think oswald is uh in fact yeah. one of my second job starting off in London was his campaign. I did as well. Amazing. Watching him, you know, as my brother, you know, <laughs> we were still in touch and I, watching him, uh, you know, basically in, in the fashion space for what he has accomplished with this brand and yes. then when he was at Givenchy, I worked with him at Givenchy when he was the creative director there and, you know, really just paved the way for us and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, that's definitely, it's one thing that I, He's one guy that I definitely think that, uh, you know, I've always had in the back of my mind, like, you know, he was there. And, uh, you know, in terms of work, I worked with uh, Dries Van Noten, the fashion house for many years. Uh, and I've also seen the way they work, the way they, you know, they do things that somehow really inspired me in terms of like, uh, you know, their business and, and everything else. So, and then I'm very close with the house and I know a lot of, way they conduct their business that I think, uh, you know, really inspired me as well. So, yeah. There's a quote that goes a little bit like this. Musician has to write his music. The artist 
painter has to paint. The writer has to write. What is it that Amanda has to needs to be? <laughs> you guys have no easy questions. This is crazy. Um, Armando needs to do the following. Uh, remain consistent with his message. Remain consistent with his integrity in terms of, you know, what we do as a company, as a brand. And Armando has to do... Um, um, God, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, I think integrity, you know, consistency with what we do, and Armando needs to continue to uh, contribute to his society. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 what I will and want to continue to do. That's a beautiful being. Yeah. Well, parting words. Word of advice you would give to Armando, age 18. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I could go back to that time, actually. <laughs> we all do. We were talking about it two days. I was in Montreal and I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, you know, I wish I could go back to the time where we were so carefree. You, you, you make, there's no calculated moves, if you will. You know, you probably think of it, but you don't, you, you're not so worried about the outcome. You just do it. Yeah. And then most of the time you work. Yes. And, and, and that, out of that, I achieved so much. And today, of course, you still do things out of your heart. Mm. I'm not afraid of failing. But, you know, you still have to be calculative, of mm. course, to edge your risk and all that stuff. Uh, but if I have to go back, I mean, I wish, I wish I would just tell my 18-year-old self, you know, uh, dream. And just go out there and learn more and you know, expand your horizon, you know. Uh, and I wish I had the time or the resources at that time to just do it the way I would do it today, you know. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Those are fantastic words of advice and I hope the youth is listening. I hope so too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Silverbacks Valley. For more episodes around founders building dominant platforms from Africa to the rest of the world, you can follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anjami, and Audiomac. Tune in.